0: One evening, a huge fire broke out in a home with a father and son inside. The fire forced the son to the roof, where he heard his father on the ground with outstretched arms calling to him, Jump, I'll catch you. All the boy could see were flames, smoke, and blackness. The boy protested, Daddy, I can't see you. But the father replied, But I can see you. And that's all that matters. Can faith be to us? the key
1: to the restoration that we are seeking and longing for.
0: Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. If you want to see real restoration take place in your life, you need to trust that God has a plan for you. Robert Quintana continues his series that will help you find the restoration and healing you seek in part two of a perfect restoration.
1: There is a desire within all of us to want to be restored, to want to be healed. And a lot of us struggle um, with addictions, with tribulations, with trials, And for many of us, we don't have to look very far to realize that I'm broken, I'm weak, I need help. God, I need to be restored. I need to be set free. I need to be healed. I really just want to be set free from this. I want to be healed. I want to move on. You know, and then we start, you know, as we start looking out and as we start examining some of the circles um, away from us, you know, the next circle might be our families. And we might think, you know, I have a broken family and my family needs restoration. My family needs healing. There are relationships within the family. And, and then you start looking and you might say, you know, there are relationships within my friendships, within my co-workers that need healing. And you might know a coworker who maybe has had to take a leave from work because they're needing physical healing. And then, you know, you start looking at our country and many of us would say, you know, our country needs healing. Our country needs to be restored. Our country is broken. And so we seek for restoration and we seek for healing for our country and then we look, you know, worldwide and it seems like the whole planet is crying out for restoration. You see the famines, you see the, you see the diseases that are plaguing some parts of our, of our world. You see all the natural disasters going on. And then the wars and the rumors of wars and, and everything on that, that just goes on. And, and sometimes we just want to cry out and say, God, enough, enough, just heal us. Just restore us. And sometimes it gets kind of desperate. I have good news today, because in, in the middle of all this chaos, I need to share with you a message that the scriptures tell us, and I need to share with you a message that I personally believe, and that is that God also desires restoration for us, for all of us, for this planet. He desires healing, and in fact, the good news is, is that God is in the process of that restoration. He is in the process of bringing that healing not only to our individual lives, not only to our families and our relationships, not only to our country, but he is in the process of bringing restoration to this planet. Now, it might not be as fast as we would like it. God seems to work on a different timetable than we do, and that's a little frustrating sometimes, but the good news is, is that he is in the process of, of that restoration. And, and you can look back 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross for our sins. Definitely a huge event in the process of that restoration that continues even to today. And you know, sometimes I get a little jealous of Bible times, of you know, those that lived in Bible times, because I look you know, and I read these stories about how Jesus was bringing restoration in a real tangible way, and I think to myself, man, I wish I could see that because I've been guilty I've been guilty of of speaking these words, man, God, if I could only see like a physical healing or see a miracle right before me, then maybe I would believe just a little bit more that yes, indeed, you do are still involved in this restoration process. Maybe maybe if I can just see it. And let me just kind of share with you what I mean here. If you go to the book of Mark, uh, Mark chapter one, we're going to read this one verse here where... Where I get jealous sometimes. I I really do. Mark chapter 1 verse 32. Mark chapter 1 verse 32. It says, At evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, I would have liked to have been there and have seen that with my very own eyes. And I've been guilty of saying, man, if only I can see that today, I think it would strengthen my faith that much more. We long for restoration. And we read through the pages of Scripture, especially the Gospels, and we see Jesus actively involved in that restoration. We see him actively involved in that healing. And not just physical healing. We're talking about emotional healing, spiritual healing, psychological healing. We see him through the pages of Scripture bringing healing to the people. And I say, man, God, I want that. I want to see it. You know, sometimes I, I hear of, of miracles that happen. And oftentimes it, it goes a little something like this. A friend says, oh, I have a friend who was a missionary who heard of someone at, the, at a different part of the country and their experience was, and then they tell you the experience and you're like, wow, that's awesome. Can I see it firsthand? Can, can I, I want to experience that, right? And so then I ask myself, why is it that we're not experiencing that kind of healing, that kind of firsthand restoration? Why is it that as a people, we're not experiencing that? Now, what I have to say might hurt, might shock you. You might not feel very comfortable with what I'm about to say. And I do have a few disclaimers to say along the way, but I think it would be very good for us to consider what we read. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of John, John chapter 14. John chapter 14, starting with verse 12, says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And, th- and then he, he kind of says something that's a little bit weird. He says not only that, right? but greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. Okay, Let, let's just think and go through some of the works that Jesus did while he was here on earth. He made the blind see. He made the lame walk. He made the mute speak. He made the deaf hear. He was able to, to help those that were that were diseased, written, come to, to life to be restored fully. He raised people From the dead. I mean, is God really calling us to this kind of work? I mean, is God really calling us to this kind of power? Because we are taught that everything that was accessible to Jesus Christ is accessible to us today. Because he did indeed have to live as a man, not as God. In order for the sacrifice to be acceptable before God, he had to have lived as a man. And so everything that was available to Jesus is available to you and to me. And so let me just read verse 12 again. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, That I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I get excited and depressed at the same time. I mean, when I read that, I go, yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm not sure it's going to happen, right? I mean, I don't know if that's your feeling, but that's how I feel because there's a part of me that says, I really want that to happen. But then there's another part of me that says, but I, I really don't think it will or, or, or else we, we would see more of it around us. But this word believe, if you believe in me. You know, there's something interesting that has taken place when you read through the Scriptures, the New Testament, when you see Jesus' encounters with people who are in need of restoration, when when they're in need of being healed. There is, is something interesting that is a common denominator through most of these stories that take place, and I want to read one of those to you just now, and you'll see exactly what I mean here in just a minute. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 2. This is one story, one of the stories that's mentioned in all the Synoptic Gospels. In other words, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke record this same story. Each of them give you a little bit of a different angle or, you know, may add a detail here, there or two. But I chose the one from Mark just because I think it shares the most of this story. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days. He's returning to Capernaum after some days. He had already been in Capernaum. And it says here, and it was heard that he was in the house. And so word got out that Jesus was at this certain house. You know, undoubtedly there were some that missed him the first time around. And they had heard of what Jesus had done the last time he was in Capernaum. So now they're like, okay, he's back in town. We have to make sure and grab him. We cannot miss him this time around. And so the house is packed, okay? It says here in verse two, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. I like that. Maybe it's because I'm a preacher. I just, I don't know. I can relate to that. He preached the word to them. But can you picture this, though? Jesus is back in Capernaum. He's at this home. Some believe that it was the home of Peter. And so he's at this home, and word is out. Jesus is in town. Where is he? Oh, he's at Peter's house. So they all start flocking to Peter's house, and and there they are, and the house is packed so much so that the doorway into the house is just jam-packed with people trying to make it in. I mean, the whole city is coming out. So, so maybe you can just picture the, the street in front of the house just packed with people. In verse 3 it says, Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. How are they going to get to Jesus? Well, verse 4. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Now, I don't know about you, but if that had been my house, I would not have been very happy. What are you doing? No, 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 no. Get away. But these men were so determined to get their body to the foot of Jesus, to, to his foot. They were so determined to get it to him that they were willing to do anything and destroy anything in their way to get this man to Jesus. And so I don't know how it, how it went, how long it took, but they started, you know, taking apart the tiles and then they took the man and they started to lower him down. I don't know if they had to go find rope somewhere or maybe the roof wasn't that high. And so, you know, he didn't have to be lowered very far to, to get down to Jesus. You know, I, I don't know exactly how it took place, but just imagine them, you know, lowering this man down the roof to see Jesus and then... The bombshell, verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw their what? Their faith. Listen, I wouldn't bring this up if this was the only time in Scripture it's mentioned. But it's mentioned time and time again. Your faith has made you whole. I have never seen such faith in all of Israel. Go, It is done. And there seems to be this connection between restoration and healing and our faith. And so a question that we can ask ourselves then is, is the reason why we're not seeing physical, tangible restoration and healing taking place in our homes, in our, in our families, in our, in our neighborhoods, communities, is the reason why we're not seeing that restoration take place as we would like to see it in our nation or in our country is because we lack faith. It's a question worth asking ourselves. But before I continue, let me make one of my disclaimers. Because I'm not saying that... Healings don't take place because the only thing that's going on is a lack of faith. Or let me put it this way. Just because we have faith doesn't mean that healing is going to take place. Healing the way that we think that healing should take place. And and let me give you an example of this. I I know of, of families and I'm thinking of one in particular many, many years ago, about 10 years ago, who got the terrible news that their son had been diagnosed with a terrible disease. You cannot tell me that that family did not have faith. I saw it with my very own eyes. That church gathered around them and supported them and uplifted them in prayer. And many nights were spent in prayer vigils. The hospital wall was 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 covered with with promises and Bible text. And when you spoke to the parents or to the family, they professed faith in faith in their God, faith in, in who God was and what God can do. But the end result was that that child died. So I don't want to say and I don't want anyone walking away here today thinking, man, if only we had more faith, then we would see the type of healing and restoration that we're looking for. That, that's not what this message is about. But I think it would do us well to question, where is our faith? And could we have more faith in who God says he is and who God says what he can do and what he will do? And the thing is this, folks, that maybe, maybe as we continue this, we will discover that faith accomplishes something a lot bigger and a lot greater than just immediate healing, than just immediate restoration, all right? But let's finish the story, and then we'll come back to this whole faith thing. And it says here that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And I love that because what that signifies is that Jesus isn't just interested about physical healing. No, he's interested about someone's spiritual healing. He is interested in someone's emotional healing. He is interested in someone's psychological healing. I mean, who knows what this gentleman was going through? I mean, we know that back in Bible times, they believed that if something was wrong with you, if you were dealing with some kind of sickness, it was because you had done something wrong and that God was punishing you for that. And so just imagine the kind of guilt that this man may have been carrying with him. And just think about all the emotional and psychological issues that, that he was dealing with and to hear Jesus say to him, your sins are forgiven, just think about the freedom and the weight that was lifted off and just think about the healing that he experienced in that moment spiritually when Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven. And so here in verse 6, it says, and some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. You or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. And so here Jesus, with this clever question, kind of backs him up into a corner. Because obviously, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. There's nothing tangible there that will prove that your sins are forgiven. So obviously, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. It's a whole other thing to say, arise, walk, be healed, be made whole. Because now that those words have gone out, well, the proof is in the pudding, right? I mean, it has gone out, is it going to happen or not? And so Jesus here, in verse 10, he says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth. Guys, can you just remember that? Just tuck that away in the back of your mind somewhere. Just, just remember that. Whenever you're going through a difficult time in life, whenever you're struggling, whenever you think it's, it's the end of the road, whenever you think your business is going to fail or that you're going to get fired or maybe you did get laid off, whenever you think it's too late, that it's done, that it's over, can you just remember that the Bible says, that Jesus says of himself, know that the Son of Man has power on earth. And so it says here that, know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that they all were amazed and glorified God saying we never saw anything like this. We have never seen anything like this before. Can you believe what we just saw with our very own eyes? This is why sometimes I get jealous about some of these stories because man, I wanna be able to see that for myself. I want to be able to see that. But going back to this faith thing, maybe, yes, faith is a key that unlocks the power that God wants to pour out on his people to bring healing and restoration. But maybe in unlocking that power, we receive a lot more than just the tangible, what we can see kind of healing. What is faith, by the way? Did you know that the Bible gives a definition for faith and it says faith is, and then gives us a definition? Let's turn to it. Let's read it together. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Faith is, there we go. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. so faith is the substance of things hoped for it is what you are hoping for but you have no evidence that that's going to happen but it is the substance of what you are hoping for in other words, I am hoping and I am praying. For this to happen, for this healing to take place, for this miracle to take place. God, I am hoping with everything that is within me, I am hoping for this to happen, even though I have no idea how or why it would happen. I'm going to believe in what God says, and so by faith, I'm going to believe him, and I'm stepping forward in faith, even though I have no evidence of it. And you might be here today, maybe for the first time in a long, long time. Maybe you haven't set foot in a church in like forever. And, and you're saying, you know what? My faith is like, like this big, right? And maybe today for the first time in a long time, you're realizing, you know what? I, I want my faith to grow. The Bible tells us how our faith can grow. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says this. So then faith comes by hearing And hearing by what? The Word of God. (laughs) It's no accident. This isn't a mistake. You see, my friends, the Word of God reveals who God is. And the more time you spend in the word, the more time you spend studying the word, the more time you spend with other Christian believers getting to know the word, the more you will know who God is. And as a result, guess what? Your faith will grow. Can faith be to us the key to the restoration that we are seeking and longing for? I believe that it can play a large role. And so today's message as we continue this series on restoration and healing, today's message is, is very simple. Get to know who God is. Because in getting to know who God is, your faith Will increase and as your faith increases, you will then begin to experience not only the tangible restoration, the tangible kinds of healings that is what it seems like we kind of fixate on, right? It's the kind of the what we want to see. No, but faith will help us to experience a much greater and a much deeper type of restoration, which is ultimately man and God coming together.
0: Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at fredericksdachurch.org. God longs to make you whole, to restore you completely. Next week, we hope you can join us as Robert Quintana shares the next part of this series, A Perfect Restoration, by showing how that restoration process can begin now. Also... If you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at fredericksdachurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out his purpose.